Hey everyone, welcome to The Messy Table, an ordinary space for real women, imperfect stories, and the God who's constantly at work in our lives, even in, and especially in, the messy parts. Our hope is that this podcast will breathe a bit of hope and joy into your day, because life is not always clean cut, our to-do lists don't always get completed, and those sudden, unwanted, and often challenging events do enter our paths. My name is Cindy Beal, and I get the absolute honor of being your guest host today with Jen Jewell. Don't you just adore her? She is a breath of fresh air, and even though her physical frame is petite, she is a spiritual giant when it comes to wisdom, integrity, and, dare I say it, a bit of gumption. The Messy Table is partnered with Life Church and Sisters, the women's ministry led by the lovely Amy Groeschel. Life Church isn't just Amy's and Jen's church, it's mine as well. My husband, Chris, is the pastor of the Oklahoma City location, and I get to serve with him. Life Church is our spiritual house, and we love it. But more than that, we love the global church. We believe that the local church is the hope of the world and that we're all on the same team. So we're just glad you have joined us. If you don't know by now, we also kind of love the YouVersion Bible app here at The Messy Table. So if it's not on the front page of your phone or tablet, then let's change that today. Hop on over to the App Store and download that baby because God's Word is a light for our paths and a comfort to our souls. It inspires, motivates, challenges, guides, and directs us for any and every occasion. Another reason that we'd love it if you downloaded it is because The Messy Table has just launched its third reading plan called Remembering Christmas. So subscribe to this five-day plan before the holiday hustle and bustle overwhelms your heart, your mind, and probably your schedule. Our guest today is the incredible Tiffany Cooper. Tiff and her husband Herbert planted People's Church in Oklahoma City in May of 2002. Tiffany is mom of four amazing kiddos, which makes her life very rich and full. In addition to being a wife and a mom, she also pastors alongside her husband. In our time with Tiffany, she openly shared with us about some difficult times in her life and how she chose to stuff her feelings and isolate herself instead of reaching out for help. But thankfully, she has grown through this, and now she shares with us today about the importance of community. Well, it is time to get this podcast party started. So find a treadmill at the gym, listen on your drive home from work, or get comfy in that chair that you love so much and join us at The Messy Table. Well, hey, Tiffany, welcome to The Messy Table. Thank you, Jen. So glad to have you. Can't wait to hear from you and learn from you. But first, before we dive in, will you just give us a little introduction and a peek into your world? Yes. So I'm not sure how far back you want me to go, um, but... (laughs) Go all the way. All the way. Oh, my goodness. Well, the quick overview, um, I was born into a pastor's family, so I have been a PK for almost all my life. And then um, I left Wisconsin and went to college in Missouri. 
where I met the love of my life, my husband, Herbert. And we have been married for 20 years, almost 21. And I'm just so crazy about this man. I adore him. (laughs) Um, We moved to Oklahoma City um, at the very end of 2001. And we started People's Church. And so we are now 16 years old as a church. And then we started having babies. And so we have four children. And again... I feel like I could eat them up. Um, I love, love being a mother. And so that's pretty much my world. I'm just passionate about my family, feel very called to ministry. And those two things pretty much keep my life moving. Tiffany, it's such a treat to have you here with us. One of the things I want our listeners to know is that you and I have been friends for a very long time, and we actually met through Leading and Loving It. You were one of the first people to come on board with Lori Wilhite and Brady Wilson as um, that ministry was started. In fact, what's funny is Tiffany and I live literally like 10 miles away from each other, maybe less. Yes. And we did not meet face-to-face until we were in Nashville, Tennessee. So I think that's hilarious. <laughs> that I know. We had that. I know, it's crazy. But I will say that we try to get together a couple times a year. It's just so sweet when we do. We have that, um, just that friendship, kind of walking through life together. So Tiffany, you just said that you're a wife and you're a mama. And you're not only just a wife, you're a pastor's wife. And so you are very busy, got a lot going on in your life. So my question is, how do you juggle it all? How do you do it all? Or maybe you don't do it all. So just tell us how that works in the Cooper household. Uh, You are correct. You know, oftentimes I struggle here a little bit because people say, what do you do? Do you stay at home? Do you work at the church? Do you have another job? And Really, the answer is I am a stay-at-home mom, but I'm also very involved in ministry, and my schedule fills up very quickly. Sometimes I just feel caught in limbo um, with what exactly uh, my title is, but I definitely feel so passionate about my marriage and raising my children. I feel like I am raising children that will be able to go into the world and make a difference. And, you know, I think one of the things that has helped me is understanding what my capacity is and what my giftings are. And so I used to struggle with seeing other women and what they were able to, in my eyes, accomplish Mm -hmm. and how much they were able to take on. And I had to get to a place where I embraced this is my capacity in this season. This is what I feel like God is calling me to do in this season. And in order to have peace and to have something that I could maintain in the area of health, um, I had to be really honest about what I was willing to do and not do. And so for me, my marriage and my family comes first. And what that means for me is that I'm actually sitting down with my calendar and making sure that my life is reflecting that in my ability to invest in them, to provide the home that I want for them. And then once that is laid out, then I see all the pockets of time or availability I have to give to ministry or to give to projects. Um, But I would say 90% of the time, my family will always come first. But then there are those situations that just out of urgency, 
or a need, I have to give a little more energy to something else, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, I love how you said be honest about your capacity. Man, that is gold. So do you block off specific times on your calendar? Or how do you practically put your family first? Or is it just kind of a mind shift that now you're in the habit of being in? You know, I think for me, I have to be intentional about my schedule because I'm very go with the flow by nature. I kind of like to just take things as they come. Um, And so for me and my husband as well, we both do this together. But um, so I know that my four children, they're in school right now. So I know that from like eight o'clock until 3 p.m., that's my block of time to make sure I'm getting everything done that I can in terms of errands for the family or in the area of ministering to people, which is what I love to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but typically, when I pick them up from school at three o'clock, I try to have the rest of those evenings free, mm-hmm. aside from church activities that might be happening. Right. Um, and I just do that because, uh, especially, you know, you've probably experienced this, but once your kids get in school and then they get home and they have their sports and they have homework, you just feel like your time together is less and less. It is and so, so I just, limited. And, yes. And I feel like if I don't have intentionality with my time and my schedule, what will happen is I'll put on too much weight onto myself. And then when I am with them, I am more short in my responses to them. I have less patience. I don't enjoy my time with them as much because I'm thinking about what I have to do, what I have to do, what Mm -hmm. I have to do. And so for me, it's just being disciplined that not only am I going to be present physically with them, but that I'm going to get myself in a position where I can be a happy mom, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. um, to give them the best of me at that time. Mm -hmm. That is so wise because Tiffany, I know that in my life, the days that I'm the most patient mom and the most fun mom and someone mm-hmm. they enjoy is when I set my agenda aside mm-hmm. and I really don't think about what I have to do until I'm finished with them. So for me, you know, I homeschool. Yeah. And so on the days when I'm I'm really plugging in with Seth and we're pushing through all, you know, his subjects and getting work done, if I have something on the horizon that I'm like, oh, I got to get that done, I get more impatient with him. And it's not his fault. It's right. me. No. So I think so much wisdom in that and just making sure that we're present with them in those moments that we have them. Because I'm here to tell you, as four years away from being an empty nester, the time with them gets less and less as they get older and you have to be even yes. more intentional. So that's some good wisdom right there, Mrs. Mm -hmm. Cooper. I know, girl. I'm starting to feel with my oldest getting close to driving. I'm like, where in the world has this time gone? And I remember that moms used to say to me when they were young, like, just enjoy it because it goes fast. And (laughs) and it's not that I didn't believe them. I was like, I believe you. But it just didn't feel real to me in that moment. Mm -hmm. And now in this season of life, I'm like, oh, I totally know what you were saying. Like, it aches in my heart. Like I feel it now, you know? Okay. So we know life isn't perfect for any of us. We know that, but we also know that God is at work in our mess. So if you would, Tiffany, tell us about a time or maybe it's several times when things have not been easy, but God has been faithful. 
Yes. You know, I think one of the things that the Lord has really opened my eyes to about myself is after going through some big messes or things to me that felt like big messes, He began to reveal a pattern of how I responded, which Honestly, once my eyes were open to this, it has helped me so much moving forward because you, I know that you will agree with me that messes come and they go, Mm -hmm. but then they come again and they go again (laughs) and they come. And it's almost like messes are just a part of this life. Mm -hmm. And I think it does. It propels us. If we choose to, it propels us closer to the Lord. Mm. Um, One of the things that I discovered is that I am a stuffer. And so when I would go through a big mess, it would, I would stuff it so much that it started to affect me physically. And not just one time, but in, as I track um, in my life, like I can think of four seasons that were kind of big messes. And every time, I had health side effects from it. So like, for instance, in high school, really struggling with being a PK at that time, being a pastor's kid and feeling very isolated, very alone. I started to act out in secret sin because I didn't want to bring shame to my parents, but I was just kind of spiraling. And it really started to affect my physical body. When I look back now, I'm like, well, that's why I was having these episodes of blackouts mm. and dizziness. And and then, you know, we moved to Oklahoma City to start our church. And I remember I had three small babies, three small kids. They were like three and under. And we were being attacked through some of members of the church. And things were, it was just high stress. You know, if you've been in those situations, like so much was happening at one time. And I was trying to be so strong and I was stuffing and stuffing and trying to even fool myself that everything was great and going to the doctor and she's like, honey, you have shingles. And I'm like, shingles. And she's like, are you under stress? And I'm like, no, <laughs> you know, like in total self-denial. Mm. Um, but I was just being overcome by all of these things in my life. And I felt, again, just like high school, so isolated, so alone. And then fast forward, I had four babies. Well, I say babies. They were like five and under. So four kids, (laughs) five and under. Still babies. And the church is just like fast paced, a lot going on. At that time, I was able to invest in the ministry that Cindy mentioned that is so dear to my heart still, leading and loving it. And I was trying so much to be able to give my energy to that ministry and to not drop any plates at home, you know, like keep everything moving at home and waking up early, going to bed late, but feeling overwhelmed and completely stressed out, but still stuffing and stuffing and not being real. And then I go into the doctor and they're like, you have Meniere's disease. Because I was having these episodes where I was so dizzy, I couldn't get off the couch. Like... I had to because I had children, but it was like I could hardly function. And in that season, I was like, okay, I need to step back. I need, I can't be doing all of this. And then I would say the biggest mess of all happened several years ago. And it felt like, I don't know if you've been in one of those seasons where it was just like, 
when is it going to end? Like it was just, you felt like it was one challenge after another challenge and one hit after the other. And it was multiple things. And, you know, we were going through our biggest challenges that we had ever faced as a church, which caused my husband to carry a heavier weight than I think is humanly possible without the grace of the Lord. And we were going through some real um, friendship hurt and pain. There were so many things spinning at one time. And again, I was stuffing and trying to be strong. But what happened, ladies, is that I spiraled and I became even more isolated, kind of out of shame and also out of, I just, I feel numb. Like, I don't know what to do, what the Mm -hmm. next step is. Mm -hmm. And so it was just easier to isolate myself. And all that to say, in that period of time, my health, again, due to stress, um, declined, and I was diagnosed with a thyroid disease and issues with allergies and fibroid tumors and all kinds of that. I mean, my list was like really long (laughs) of things, and the Lord began to open my eyes. And again, this didn't happen overnight. This is like years of the Lord just being so gracious to give me peace after peace after peace, but that I wasn't dealing with these issues in my life in a healthy way. And I was stuffing and I was isolating and I wasn't dealing with the things that were detrimental in my responses and in my attitudes. Um, I wasn't dealing with them in a healthy way. And so in that last big mess, he helped me so much to transform how I processed, how I thought about those things, um, what my um, coping mechanisms were, and all of that. Mm, and that's powerful. So, Tiffany, would you say since, you know, God's kind of reformed you and re- renewed you in that capacity, do you feel like when you hit a bump in the road now, a mess, a struggle, do you feel like in your mind you're saying, okay, I'm not going to stuff this. I've got to deal with this. Because mm-hmm. basically when you stuff it, you're you're trying not to deal with it. So yes. do you feel like things are different even now, even with just the day-to-day things? Um, you're seeing some progress there? Yes. You know, it was a process. And the verse in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10, and it talks about how two are better than one, which, yeah, we know that, right? You hear that, you're like, of course, two are better than one. And it talks about how they have a good return for their labor. And if one of them falls down, Mm -hmm. the other can help them up. But this is what got me. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. And my whole entire life, I have been surrounded with so many people that love me. I have been surrounded with people with genuine hearts that if they had known if I had reached out my hand, they would have done whatever they could have to help me up. But because of my own pride and my own unrealistic expectations for myself and this idea that if I didn't have it all together, somehow I was falling short of what God had for me, that it caused me to isolate. And so that verse really started to break that off of my life that, wow, what a pity that I am falling and I'm trying to do it all on my own. Mm -hmm. And there are people all around me who want to reach out their hand and help me up. And, you know, I do it for other people. I've always wanted to help other people up, but why don't I think that I should have the same, you know? Mm -hmm. I think it's so easy for us to see grace for other people or to see how we can help others or that others need people. But sometimes when it comes to ourselves, we feel like, oh, we should be able to do it 
on our own. Mm -hmm. And that's so false. And it's actually harmful to Mm -hmm. us as individuals. Well, I love when you said that messes can propel us closer to God. And, you know, I think of Jesus and how he was always pushing people towards love, towards grace, towards forgiveness, towards working through conflict. And it sounds like quite a few of your messes involved other relationships that were kind of the reason that you were getting stressed out. Yes, definitely. Um, I think it all started in high school, like my younger years, with unrealistic expectations for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of where it started. And then one of the things, and this might be kind of veering off a bit, but one of the things that the Lord did in His goodness to me is during that really challenging season, during that time, Herbert and I, our marriage has always been a high focus and top priority. But at that time, we were just Um, drowning in the heaviness of everything, that we weren't investing in our marriage in the way that we had before. Mm -hmm. So we were still going on date nights, but sometimes I would be sitting there across the table thinking, why are we even here? Like, we should just be home because we're not even having like a productive conversation Mm -hmm. or, you know, I feel like we're just replaying all the chaos from the week. Um, And (laughs) And so we've all been there. (laughs) Yes. And it just, I felt like, man, you know, I just, it might be better if we were just home. And so, uh, but during that time, uh, the Lord broke each of us down to our knees, not as a couple, but individually. He was doing such surgery in our hearts and things that needed to happen that it actually allowed a door to open that I had never opened before for us to find healing in our marriage in areas that we hadn't touched before. And it allowed us to develop a closeness that I didn't realize was possible or attainable before. Mm -hmm. And I had always said, like, we have an incredible marriage because we did. In my eyes, I was like, this man brings me such joy and happiness. And we're on the same team. We are, we're in this together. But there were things that I thought, you know, I'm probably never going to talk about these things with him, but that's okay because I can still be happy. Mm -hmm. I don't know if anybody else has been there, but it was almost like, we're just going to not even deal with those things Mm -hmm. because we can still be happy. But what those things were, were the things that were going to stop us from going to the next level in our relationship. And so we got real honest in that season. And really, that season would not have happened if we had not allowed God to work in us individually in the areas in our heart that needed healing. Mm -hmm. I think it's so wise for couples to remember that although we are one in Christ as a married couple, we are still people Uh, two people who make up that marriage. I know that sounds like I'm contradicting myself, but my point is there's so many times that we only think of each other through the marriage lens. And really, we also have to consider each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so I remember, you know, in my darkest days after Chris's confession um, back in 2002, I remember we kind of set aside our marriage, our husband and wife roles for just a, a little bit as we began to heal individually. It doesn't mean we weren't married, obviously. It just means that like, I looked at him as my brother in Christ who was hurting, yes. and he looked at me in that way. And it just was so 
freeing to be able to see each other in that light, because when we only look through the marriage lens, so often we think of, okay, well, his actions are affecting me this way, or her actions are affecting me this way. And so it's it seems a little bit skewed, but I think sometimes there's such power in just getting to the depths of our hearts or letting the Holy Spirit get in there and get us to a place of health so that we can come back to the marriage and make it uh, better than ever. Mm-hmm. I think that too, Cindy, I love what you're saying, because one of the things that the Lord helped me to see is that I started to take on a victim mentality. And instead of seeing how I played a part um, in areas of our marriage, I started to almost feel like I'm the victim. And if you hadn't done A, B, or C, then C, D, and E wouldn't have happened. And, you know, just kind of becoming just very unrealistic about it. And the Lord just really had to open my eyes and I had to own my part and own that I am not just some helpless person here. Like I have a choice Mm. in how I responded and what my part was. And once I could see that and not only see it, but to accept it and apologize for it to Herbert, it just helped that process um, of healing in our marriage. That's good. Okay, so I have a question for both of you. I think it's pretty common. um, I'm not going to speak for the men, but for women, I think that stress and worry and some level of of anxiety is a part of most of our everyday lives. And so what do we do with that? You know, we're supposed to cast our cares on the Lord. He cares for us. Cast our worries on the Lord. How do we do that? I love how you mentioned friendship, how two are better than one. And, you know, we can have people around us who help point us back to Jesus at the right time. What are some other ways that we can kind of cast our cares on the Lord, trust in Him. Any ideas? For me, um, I can tell you that during my hardest season, I got to a place where I almost didn't even feel like I wanted to open the Bible. But it's not because I was mad at the Lord. I just felt so tired. Um, I don't know if you've ever—I was just so depleted Mm -hmm. and exhausted. And I— have so many, I just can remember just like laying there so many times or just sitting in my house and just saying, Lord, like, I feel numb. Like, I don't feel like I have any reserve or anything left to give. I just need you. Like, I just need to know you're here. Mm -hmm. And I can't say that I always felt necessarily like a tangible presence or that he spoke words, you know, to me or anything like that. But sometimes I would just sit there and think about his faithfulness and think about all the things that he had already brought me through. Mm -hmm. And I would tell myself, Tiffany, if you don't quit, you win. Just don't quit. Mm. You know, even if you don't feel like you're making progress, don't stop taking steps. Um, That's good. I remember in that season that I would just say, I'm going to laugh every day. I am going to find something to laugh about. And my kids, I just, we would laugh together. And even if I felt so much pressure from other things in my life, my kids were like a safe haven, and I would just make sure that we laughed together because there's so much joy and so much strength that comes from laughter. So for me, it was just those small things of I'm not going to let my laughter leave Mm. and let my joy leave. And I'm going to think about the faithfulness of God because He has me. I don't know where this ends up. 
I don't know what I'm like when I come out on the other side, but I know I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And I know that he's going to help me see it through. It's mm, good. Man, that's pretty much what I was going to say. All of that. So just whatever Tiffany said, Cindy said it too. <laughs> Amen. Um, Times two. <laughs> Times two. Um, but the thing that I always keep in my mind is I've fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Like I want to die having lived that out to the best of Cindy's ability. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about those days and those moments and those fears that kind of creep in, that's what I try to go back to is okay, just stay the course. Just keep doing it. Do it anyway, despite your feelings. You know, a long time ago, I heard a friend say that you you rarely feel your way into an action, but you can act your way into a mm-hmm. feeling. And and so I just do it. Yeah. I just do it. I do it afraid. I do it mad. I do it anyway. And then and eventually, you know. I've just never found a situation where I did something that I knew God was calling me to do. Maybe it was I wanted to sit and pout and play all these <laughs> situations in my head mm-hmm. and go over all these monologues in my head. <laughs> what you should have done, what you should have said. That's what I do anyway. Right. Yes. All of those things. I'm the master at that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. But what I needed to do was fill my mind with the truth. And so I would go and do it. And I've never had a time where it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Not once. I cannot think of a time where I thought, well, yeah, I filled my head with God's word and it didn't work. I was still mad. <laughs> Never once. Never once. So that, that didn't work. That would be my encouragement. <laughs> yeah. Filling your head with God's word, looking back on the faithfulness of God, because sometimes we look ahead and everything seems unknown and scary. But when we look mm. back, it's like, okay, God, you haven't left me then. You're not going to leave me now. And then I think I would just add to which you've kind of said it in different words, but just being real. Like if I'm stuffing things down, like you mentioned before, and I'm not letting it come to the surface, whether I'm telling Derek or whether I'm talking to a friend or whether I'm just letting it overflow into my journal, just kind of crying out to God. If I'm not allowing myself to do that, then I'm not being real with myself. So not only am I not being real with others, I'm not being real with myself. And I think that sometimes for me, that's what I need. I need to be real about where I am. I don't know. There's just something about the honesty that is kind of a healing work in itself. Yes, you're so right, Jen. Honesty, it's so healing. Okay, so Tiff, talking through hard times, you you know, just the things you've endured. And I know, all three of us know, as pastor's wives, there are just days where, uh, just kind of like what we're talking about, you know, how do we do it despite the anxiety and the fear and the concerns and the worries? But like, how do you keep the focus of not only just following Jesus, but telling others about him as you minister. Because like you said, you are wife and mom first, but then God does bring people into your paths to minister to, whether it's at your church on the weekends or a coffee appointment or a phone call. How do you keep that focus of staying true to that calling in the midst of some of the the hard things that you've walked through? Well, I think that I have always had a heart for people. Like I, when I think about my childhood, I mean, I remember even in fourth grade, a student named Doug who used to get picked on all the time for his size. And I remember how that burdened my heart so much. And I still remember his name, and I'm not going to say his last name because (laughs) you might hear this someday. But (laughs) I just remember, like, I just have always had a heart and a heart for the underdog or for the person that others would overlook or mock. Because I know if they could see and feel how God loves them, 
how that would change their life. And I mean, that still remains. Even in my hard seasons, I never doubted that God wanted to use me, even when I felt like I had nothing left to give. I never doubted that there wasn't a way for God to use me in that season. Um, I remember many Sundays during that time of being in my car with my kids and pulling up to our church. And as we were on that front road getting ready to turn in, so many times I would will myself to be ready. And I don't know if you've had to do this, but where I would say, okay, Tiffany, you're going to love people today. There are people that need love today. And it almost was like it was taking all of my energy for me on that Sunday morning to go in and to love people. But every time I would encounter people who I realized they need this almost more than I do, like they just need somebody to acknowledge them and to love them and to care. And obviously during that time, I wasn't doing as much intentional like one-on-one ministry, but in the way that I could and in the times that I could, I really relied on the Lord to help me because I didn't feel like doing it. And that's the only time in my life that I started to think, I wonder if I would be happier doing something else. Because I was in such a place in my mind at that time that I really started to doubt and started to think maybe there's something else that I should be doing instead. Maybe we should go start a company or maybe this is just too much. But honestly, that was short-lived because I just love God's people. And I just love for people to know that they're seen and they're loved and that they have a purpose. Hmm. And what I hear you saying, too, is that none of us necessarily come having it all together. Like, we don't get to a point where I'm like, all right, man, I'm perfect. I'm awesome. So now I get to go love on people and minister to people and share God's love with people. No, it's more like mutual brokenness that we step into. And we're like, man, I'm hurting and I'm struggling with this and I'm overwhelmed with this and I have these burdens. But yet I'm going to, not in a fake way, but I'm going to step into the power of God and say, God, you're going to use me despite me. Not because I'm awesome, but because you are. Yes. And Jen, honestly, you know, when we first started ministry, it happened so gradually, but I went from being fully reliant on the Lord to then almost being reliant in my own giftings Mm -hmm. and in my own ability to do things. And oh, girl, that's a scary place to be. (laughs) And I thought I had the answers and, you know, I could help anybody. Just come to me. I'll help you figure it out. And now I'm in such uh, a place of peace. And I feel like I understand who I am more and who God created me to be. But I'm also in a place where I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, but it's a beautiful place to be. Yes. Like, Lord, I need you. I cannot do this without you. Mm -hmm. And my answer isn't the only answer. My way isn't the only way. And so I think God just like really ripped that pride from my heart. And it's just such a better freeing feeling to be reliant on the Lord and not my own strength. Mm. I love that because... As you age, you know, just getting older and spending more time in ministry, I mean, you do, there is that tendency to think, okay, I've had this conversation a hundred times. I can have it again with my eyes closed. I mean, I can do this in my sleep, but one of the practices that I have chosen to do before I have any phone call, any video call, any appointment, any time at church, 
I am literally just saying quick little prayer, God, give me wisdom beyond my years. Give me the words to say, you know, and, and sometimes it's like I'm doing this for the first time, but I mm. feel like that helps me stay reliant upon him because if I ever start acting in my own flesh, thinking I've got it all, I will lead people astray. Yes. And I just have to continue to press into him. So, right. you know, we say often that in our weakness, he is strong. And it just is such a cute little verse that can go on a coffee mug or a journal or whatever. But I had one of those moments this week where I was just like, I am weak. Like, I cannot do this without you. I am so weak. I am so fragile. I cannot move. I definitely can't move a mountain. I can't move a pencil without you. You know, and obviously he empowers us and we don't just sit around and do nothing. But there is such, we can't do anything without his breath in us, without he's given us our minds to go. He's given us a heart to go in love. And so even just Mm -hmm. that mindset, that acknowledgement, that reminder of how weak we really are, like that really is contrary to, I think, the popular message these days that's just like, you got Mm -hmm. it, girl, be your own savior. And I think it's something that we really need to remember that I am not my own savior. I'm weak, but he is strong and I'm going to lean on his strength. So anyway, I'm just preaching to myself. So (laughs) preach, Jim. Oh, it's so good. All right. Well, something we always love to ask because it's just so fun hearing about great resources. Do you have any favorite books, podcasts, music, anything else that you're a big fan of and want to pass on to all of us? Okay. Well, first of all, I will tell you that I am horrible at reading full books. So... (laughs) I don't know if I'm erroneous in thinking this, but I think someday when my kids are all out of the house and I'm an empty nester, I'll read book after book after book. But that's probably just a hopeful thought I have. Um, But there are books that have uh, deeply impacted me. The one recent one was from Kay Warren's Sacred Privilege. Now, that book was for women in ministry, but especially after what I had come out of, it almost just made me feel like I wasn't alone. It's Mm -hmm. such a good, encouraging book. And she's so full of wisdom and practicality. I just love Kay so much. Um, That was such a great book. I agree. Totally. So good. And then another book, I think one of the books that I recommend almost more than any other book, and I even did it twice this week to young women who are currently in relationships, dating, is The Five Love Languages. Mm -hmm. Because that book was transformational for me when I first got married. I had never heard that concept before. And it just opened my eyes not only to discover, like, how do I feel love um, and how does my husband feel love, but how can we love our spouse the way that they receive love? And so I just think it taught me so much about myself and how relationships work. So I recommend that one a lot. Mm-hmm. But do you, I will tell you, what's I, your love language? Oh, girl. Okay. So these things are crazy because I feel like they sometimes change as you grow. True. Um, But I definitely am a quality time person. Mm, Me too. And words of affirmation. Mm -hmm. So for me, I always would tell my husband, like, I don't know that I need you to tell me I'm awesome all the time. (laughs) But um, (laughs) it's more for me. It's not that I need to hear it a lot, but if I hear kind of what I feel like is a criticism, sometimes I need extra affirmation to level that out. Right. Yeah. I think that's a real thing. Uh (laughs) I'm with you. Yeah. I'm trying to grow. I always tell Chris that, um, you know, Chris will be like, her love language is quality time because that's definitely what it was when we first did it. And, but I'm like, 
but I like the other four as well. So <laughs> I like them all. So you can love me in any way. I just need you to know that. I so. yes. need you to use all of them, oh which is goodness. really true. Like I even think yes. of the Myers-Briggs personality test. And yes, mm. we all have bents on we're more this way than the other. But, you know, we all have bits and pieces of all of it. And ideally, we would all be able to kind of tap into the the different, yes. you know, all the different pieces. So agreed. And, and what is Herbert? Is and, he is he physical um, touch like every other man? Because that's what my husband oh, is. <laughs> he is. He's also um, acts of service, but not like in a crazy way. He always says, "As long as I have clean underwear, I'm good." Like if he goes to his drawer <laughs> and there's not clean underwear, then okay, you don't love me. But yeah, I mean, he's I think acts of service <laughs> and physical touch. Um, but you know, the funny thing about Herbert is he is a high community communicator more than I am. And so like he wants to talk everything through. He's always using words to Mm -hmm. encourage or say thank you or, you know, and I've had to grow in that. But that's the great thing about it, too. I think it just when you study those types of things, it makes you more aware um, where you can be more intentional to grow in an area. Because I had to grow in words of affirmation and but I will also say I'm crazy about podcasts, and so I feel like I listen to them when I'm cleaning, when I'm at the store. Mm-hmm. I probably listen to them too much, but I love this one, of course. I also love um, She's Still There with Crystal Hurst. I started listening to that one last year, and that's a great one. But And just random. It's so fun to just kind of discover random podcasts and mm-hmm. things, but mm-hmm. definitely love all that stuff. And then, you know what? This isn't necessarily like uh, a resource that you can buy per se. Maybe you can, but just mentors and other people. Um, <laughs> buy a mentor. Like, yes, <laughs> mentors buy, for sale. <laughs> can I start that? I, I claim that. That's my next thing. Okay. But um, yeah, but I just, oh, the value and the resource of mentors has been so life-changing for me. Mm-hmm. So when you say that you've had mentors in your life, is that someone who it's been one person for a long time? Or is that meeting with different women and picking their brain and getting their wisdom? Or what does that look like for you? You know what? I think it's if you have somebody that's been a mentor your whole life, I think that is incredible. And I would say in some ways, my mother has been that for me. But just because I have been more of an isolated person, I feel like mentors um, have come in different seasons at just the right time. Like Mm -hmm. God has been so good to bring them into my life. And so I would say I've had multiple mentors throughout my life at just the right times. Very cool. Those are good resources. I like them. Well, Tiffany, I know that our listeners have been encouraged by you, not only your wisdom, but your voice is so adorable and your laugh is so cute. So, but before we leave, would you just be willing to share one final thing of encouragement to them? Um, Just something you want to share with them that you want them to take with them the rest of today. Whoever is listening today, I would just want you to be kind to yourself in whatever season of life you're in. I think we as women can be so hard on ourselves and we expect more of ourselves oftentimes than is humanly capable. And I just want you to be kind to yourself. And that can be in tangible ways or doing things for yourself or just even in your thoughts towards yourself to extend grace to yourself 
um, as much grace as you extend to others, give to yourself. Mm, um, I would want you to do that. I would say um, anchor yourself in Christ. Anchor your thoughts, your actions, your feelings, all of the things that the enemy wants just to get a, a, a doorway into, just to be mindful and just to, even when it's hard, anchor yourself in Christ. And then, you know what? Honestly, lastly, because this has made such an impact for me, I would say to open yourself up to other people. Get connected to mm-hmm. your church. And when I say church, like beyond attending, like actually get rooted in your church, Mm -hmm. serve, find a place to give of your time and your talent. And there's so many like groups for women, sisters and girlfriends and sisterhood, whatever your church has, you need to just get yourself planted into that ministry because it will change your life and you will have a community of women who want to help you in the messiness of your life and the non-messy pieces of your life. But Mm -hmm. I just want you, um, I guess mostly, just to have grace for yourself and to plant yourself in the things of God. Be kind to yourself. I need to write that one down, right? We can be Mm. self-critical. Yes. Tiffany, you've been awesome. Thanks, Tiff. Jen and Cindy, I thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of one of my favorite podcasts. And uh, just keep doing what you're doing because it's changing lives and encouraging women, including me. Oh, there is so much goodness in this episode. Aren't you glad you listened? We'll link up any resources that we discussed today at jenjewel.com. And because you love this podcast so much, make sure that you subscribe for free so that you don't miss one single episode. Personally, I love it when I get a notification every other Tuesday telling me that a new Messy Table podcast has been released. And before we finish up today, could I ask a small favor? This is where you smile and nod your head yes. Would you leave a quick rating and review on iTunes for us? We want to hear what you love. And while you're at it, why don't you tell us what you'd love to hear more of? Maybe there's a topic you want us to tackle or there is a person you'd love to hear from. We will do our best to make it happen. You just need to let us know. This is the grand finale for the Messy Table podcast in 2018. And that means that Christmas is fast approaching. It's an exciting time for many, but perhaps a little challenging for others. Holidays do not take away the mess in our lives. They often magnify it. But rest assured, my friend, that God is still good and He is still on His throne despite the difficulties that may be happening in your life. God is always at work, even in our mess. Merry Christmas, friends. And we'll see you January 1st of 2019.